listening, Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank you for listening. I'd love to start connecting with you, my listeners. If you'd like to share your thoughts about this episode or any of the episodes, watch for posts for each of them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I can imagine the energy of connecting over these inspiring people's stories. I mean, maybe, just maybe, you have the same passion, or maybe you've been wanting to talk to someone with this thing going on. Yes, we need to talk. Come find me. What I really realized, and this is my thesis in my life, so this is kind of what I wanted to share, the essence of everything I'm talking about is we need to awaken to our deep need for human connection. That's Peter Craig, who I'm chatting with in this episode. He's a poet, a counselor, he meditates and practices yoga. He has a beautiful story of awakening and moving through life's challenges with grace. He found his passion for helping others and made it his life's work. This is one of those stories where it went someplace I completely didn't see coming. And when it did, my heart opened even more. He shares a delicate balance between the hand life gives us and the choices we make. Relax and enjoy the story of challenges, triumph, connection, and service. Hello, Peter. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jane. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here because we've never really talked about much of anything. <laughs> so this will be really fun to see what transpires. It's kind of the uh, the magic for me. I don't know. Hopefully it is for everybody listening. Um, so yeah. we should start with where we met. Again, you're another one of my Oasis uh, finds out there. And I think... <laughs> yeah, so... Many of you might be familiar with listening to Rumi or Hafiz, the, the mystical Sufi poets and masters. And um, are you familiar with them, Jane? I am, especially okay. Rumi. Yeah, absolutely. And I find Hafiz actually even more accessible sometimes than Rumi. So I encourage mm. you to check him out. I will. Right. And I had came across those over 10 years ago. And I started writing with playing music when I was about 16. And eventually I started writing and then said, hey, this isn't a song. I guess it's a poem. Mm -hmm. And uh, that just blossomed into, after especially reading Rumi and Hafiz, into my own desire to put my feelings and convey my message that's ever-evolving into words. And Mm -hmm. so I published a book of poetry on my birthday five years ago, and I'm in the works for another one. So I'm excited to publish that. Hopefully next year we'll see. 
Uh, I've got about 40 something poems for that one. So still working on it. That's a lot of work to publish. I mean, poems, um, they, they, for you, I was curious about this. So do they just like, do you sit down and write poems or do they count? Do they find you and then you put them on paper? <laughs> Both, okay. but definitely mostly they find me because it's a poetic state of mind, if you will, because mm-hmm. sometimes the way you're feeling your thoughts in, in my, in my mind start becoming poetic in a way you, you just, it might start as just one line and then you sit down and write that line. And if you have the, the flow, if you will, mm-hmm. then you just kind of keep going with it. And sometimes I'll craft a poem for a long period of time. I'll write it and then rewrite it and rewrite it. But a lot of the times, if I'm in that poetic state, I'll just and I'll have a poem. Isn't that the best feeling when it happens like that? What instrument were you playing? Like you said, you were making music. So were you writing just songs or were you playing an instrument? Yeah, I play guitar. Mm-hmm. Just um, I just loved finding expression through music. And um, my parents got divorced when I was 12 and I was kind of shattered for a 12 year old. It was a pretty amicable divorce, but um, I really didn't have an emotional outlook. My parents didn't talk a lot about our feelings and what we were going through. Mm -hmm. And I realized looking back that music really allowed me to express some of the darker emotions, but also the other side of the spectrum and really express my full self and express these feelings that I didn't necessarily communicate with my peers or my parents even sometimes. And so it became a very beautiful outlet for me to just be who I was, be who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, looking back, a lot of the songs I wrote in high school are kind of emo, if you will, but um, I'm proud <laughs> of them. And it's been cool to start my journey. And so playing guitar and writing music have both been great avenues for my self-expression. That's amazing. How did you stumble upon Rumi and Hafiz? Yeah. Well, so the the bigger story for me that I want to share with you that I share mm-hmm. often is that in high school, I was kind of agnostic. I was raised Catholic, but I wasn't really convinced of the belief structure of believe this and then you'll get that um, that I was taught. And so I had kind of an existential crisis. And when I got to college, I was for the first time really alone with myself mm-hmm. and wondering, what do I believe? And this kind of materialism, I thought I was going to study nanotechnology and business. And I realized, wow, um, there's something more going on. And I stumbled upon this random website that had an index of all these articles on consciousness and spirituality and, and pioneering science. And I spent seven hours for three days in a row reading everything that I could. And all of a sudden, (laughs) my mind just shifted. It was just like, click, we're all one. And it's a mountain of existence and we all have different paths to the same view. And the higher the higher the altitude of your consciousness, if you will, the more you can see. And it's not a hierarchy, higher is better or anything. We're all on right. our own journeys, but realizing the unified nature of existence. And I, so I started feeling from that moment, I realized that I'm connected to everything and I'm not this separate entity that's kind of bumping into everything. It's that we're all kind of weaving through each other. And so it really set me on a course to understand myself and the world and to discover the richness of our kind of radiant connections. And so from that experience, I, and that website, I Mm -hmm. just got a book by Ken Wilber, the Dalai Lama and Stan Groff. And I found Rumi and Hafiz weeks later in that new paradigm I was exploring. That's pretty amazing that that happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty amazing that that happened so quickly. I mean, I think um, for people to get to that point where where they question their beliefs and they 
they research or are they you know they try to understand and get to the point of understanding the oneness and the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That usually happens over a lot of time, not three seven hour days. So that's pretty <laughs> impressive that the universe served that up in like a short order style for you. That's First awesome. thing I want to say is I'm grateful for for my parents and the love that they gave me and the opportunity that I have. You know my father paid for college and I'm a very privileged person in that way. And so to have the time to explore mm-hmm. these themes is such a luxury. So anyone who, who has the time, I encourage you to explore whatever you're passionate about and take the time because we're all so busy and that's kind of the illusions that we have to do all these things in order to have the time to have that inquiry. But let's start the inquiry now if we can mm-hmm. in ways that can enrich us and just unfold our own myth, as Joseph Campbell says. Well, and you kind of led into one of my um, favorite questions to ask, and I'm going to ask it early. I'm experimenting here um, mm-hmm. because this is this really ties into what you just recommended that people do, which is follow those curiosities. So what is something today, you know, we looked at, we'll talk more about the, the areas that you spend a lot of your intention and focus right now as we go through yeah. the, the hour, but what's something today right now that's really calling you to explore it that's really been outside of your area of exploration so far like for me um and we'll talk more about this kundalini yoga is one that's really bubbled up for me of wanting to like it's come back to me over and over and over again but i've not like grabbed hold of it and i know now because Mm. it just keeps landing in my lap that i need to do this so is there something like that for you that you go well i've really not explored that but i want to know more now Mm. Well, that's a great question. I have a lot of passions I've been exploring. So I don't know if this is a cop-out answer here because <laughs> this is part of my my bigger journey. But okay. I just yesterday had an orientation meeting for my counseling internship. Okay. And so my counseling internship, I'm getting a master's in counseling and I'm mostly through the program. And so the internship is where you actually start counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got accepted to this organization that provides low-cost mental health services to the central Austin, Texas area. And I am so excited to explore this whole new world of, of counseling, of sitting mm-hmm. with someone and being with them. So does that count? Can I explore that more? Or do I need to come up with something no, else? No, that'll work for now. And actually, Peter, I think what a gift that that community has of having your services and your presence with them. I mean, it, I think people will not even understand. I mean, I think they will be shocked with what you'll bring to the table. It's not just about like I went through school and learned how counseling is done because you've done all this work to bring such a um, an essence to it, a, a deeper, deeper meaning to it. Wow, that's that's going to be you're going to really have an impact there. I hope so. You know, I have have some fear and nervousness and mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of excitement. And so that's what made me want to share is just mm-hmm. at this meeting yesterday, it was just, oh, this is why I've been going to school for the past right. year and a half. And it's really a whole dimension of life I haven't, I haven't explored. And I'm just really excited and inspired to see what I'm going to learn because it, in counseling, you really have to humble yourself because mm-hmm. it's not about you telling your client about what you know or what you see about them. It's really connecting with them and listening and not judging and providing, like you're saying, an atmosphere of connection and oneness that can facilitate people's own understanding and their own evolution. And so that's the, the challenge is because I, I have a lot of confidence from my self-love and I don't want that to be overbearing because mm-hmm. it's really about humbling yourself before your client. And so I'm just 
grateful for the opportunity to get to dive into that. So that's what's on my mind right now because I just had the meeting and I'm so excited with my peers and the, the leaders, the community. It's out there. They're encouraging us to be ourselves and to bring in our own individual perspective. And so I feel very grateful to be in this position. Do you have a lot of experience with inner city? No, I don't. And okay. the side vein that I'm really passionate to share with you is that the past five years I've been a volunteer at the Global Youth Peace Summit outside okay. of Austin, Texas, and it gathers refugee youth from over 20 countries around the world oh uh, for a week-long summer camp that's basically an inquiry. The founder is a spiritual humanitarian and does a lot of youth work, and mm-hmm. it's an inquiry into, hey, what is this life? What are you feeling? Are we really one village? And the answer every year has been, yes, we are one village. We all have very diverse experiences that we need to honor our differences but also celebrate our unity. And so I got to experience to be with youth 14 to 18 who some of them were from Africa who had seen some of their families be killed. Mm -hmm. Some of them are kind of wealthier Austin kids here, but different races, different ethnicities, different religions. And to see the, the challenge, but also the greater unity that happens when you have an authentic inquiry and let the youth say, hey, every all of you is welcome here. We're mm-hmm. not saying you can only talk about this or you can only be this. All of you is welcome. And so that, that's been my experience, I guess, in terms of being with youth that have been through challenging situations. But I haven't worked with inner city. So. I think every time we open ourselves to people that we haven't experienced, it, yeah. it, it just really opens up something in us that we didn't even know existed. So I think that's going to be, I, I can't, I actually will have to have you back later on and hear more about that because <laughs> it's going to give a perspective that, um, that you won't, you can't have until you go through a little bit of that. So that's pretty exciting. And what a great place to do it right in your own backyard, sort of in a place yeah. that you love. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit more about your, your poetry. I imagine, and this is my own interpretation, but I imagine for like spending time with kids or families that are in low income and struggling with a lot of things and mental health issues on top of it can be really, um, emotionally draining, you know? Mm. And so I always think part of doing that kind of really great work is making sure that you're filling up your own bucket, you know, and keeping yourself really fulfilled energetically to do that work. So what are the, some of the things you do, like that you follow your passions on that are really more for your own soul to bring Mm. that work to others? I love that question. Thank you. I just made it up. (laughs) (laughs) uh, In the counseling program I'm in, I see half half of my class, if not more, are just really, really stressed. Mm -hmm. You're you're working full time. You are uh, taking out student loans, and then you're doing an internship and classes on top of that, and you get exhausted emotionally and physically. And um, I've had the luxury to have a lot of support and to have a lot of income from kind of entrepreneurial activities. So I have the time and energy to put into it. So self-care is very important to me. And if people ask me how, why I seem so stress-free, it's because I practice self-care every day. So the foundation really is my meditation practice. Every morning I roll out of bed and I put on therapeutic essential oils and I get in tune with my breath. And I have a certain meditation practice I'm happy to talk more about. But having a meditation practice allows me to sync up my body and breath and mind and then also relax into myself. Mm -hmm. And so stress is basically not being able to relax in the present moment Mm -hmm. to some degree. 
And so attuning to our breath, I think, is the foundation of self-care, of just really breathing into your belly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and really... <laughs> I was doing that too. When you started saying it, I'm like, I have to breathe yeah. now. Yeah, I got talking about it. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of obvious or cliche or whatever, but really attune to your breath, you know, take even a minute. If you're really busy, mm-hmm. you don't have time to meditate. Okay. Take a moment just to breathe deeply a few breaths and you'll find that to be incredibly nourishing. I think breath and then nutrition. Uh, I'm an eating psychology coach and a lot of people are like, what is that? Yeah. What so, is that? <laughs> uh, do you want me to get into that? I would love to. Yeah. I pretty much, I just want to know everything about you. So if you could just keep <laughs> delving in and and actually you like everything that I that you do is all these are all things I'm all very interested in so yeah for me this is all about me so go ahead and tell us about that <laughs> great well, I'm just kidding I think the li- listeners will enjoy it too because it's pretty fascinating so, so Mark David is the founder of the Institute for Eating Psychology okay and he has been a cutting-edge nutritionist for several years and he discovered as if you look at the research, most people who go on a diet, when they lose weight, they'll gain it back in a year or less, almost mm-hmm. everyone actually. Mm-hmm. And so what that reveals is it's not a matter of willpower and shut up and exercise more and eat less and then you'll be thin. It's mm-hmm. not like that. Our emotional reality, our relationship with eating and our bodies is the is the biggest factor in the evolution of our bodies. And so it's Weight loss is not about I need to lose weight, even though some people it's just about wanting to get to a certain number. It's about learning to love your body and, and listen to what your body's saying. Your body has wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so if you have an eating issue, and most of us do, so we can be honest that we're all kind of, we're all eaters and we're all trying to figure out how to thrive. Mm-hmm. We have to look at the things that influence our emotional psychology and that influences our relationship with eating. Mm-hmm. So eating psychology as a coach, there's mind body nutrition. So that looks at actually like your macronutrient balance. Are you eating stressed eating versus relaxed eating the rhythm of your eating and, and then eating psychology looks at, you know, what's your relationships, what's going on with your relationships and your spirituality and your environments. And so eating psychology is basically taking a wider lens than, Hey, here's just really good food to eat because go through different phases. There might be a cleansing phase, mm-hmm. there might be a building phase, a maintenance phase. And so honoring the different phases we go through, because some people, for example, might go like a vegan or some kind of diet that's relatively restrict- restrictive and get a lot of good results. But then maybe it's time to move on to a different phase, but they stay in that phase. And then after a while, they actually are, are not doing very well, with not getting enough minerals or vitamins or so on. Right. So honoring the different phases of our nutrition and our, our life is so it's a beautiful exploration of, hey, what's going on under the surface of your need to lose weight? What's, you know, what emotionally are you holding on to? And some of the themes I just wanted to, to conclude in that, having compassion and curiosity for your eating relationship. Mm-hmm. So instead of making yourself wrong, like, oh, I messed up again, I have to start over again, because there's so much guilt and shame and all this intense energy because we have such a perfectionist society where all the images on the billboards promote this false image of ourselves, especially for women, but for guys too. And so just peeling back that and just being compassionate for your process and, and curious, you know, where Mm -hmm. is this desire coming from? And 
Uh, one thing he talks about is if you're if you're binge eating, which I've done as as a man trying to bulk up and be strong mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, I realized through this course that hey, I, I actually binge eat sometimes. Just being present and and savoring it, and you know, just slowing down and savoring it, and then all of a sudden you don't necessarily want to do that the same way because there's more right. awareness, and right. then you shift your behavior based on becoming more aware of the patterns that you that it might have been unconscious become more conscious. So, exactly, yeah. and so yeah, in on the conversation of self care, being in nature is profound. For multiple reasons. One is we have such a concrete box to the next box kind of life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in the apartment box and the car box to the work box. Right. And just being outside is what humanity has done for 99% of our evolution. And so, <laughs> you know, not like you're inside, that's bad, but right. just going outside, getting sunlight. I know there's some people have different views about how much sun to get and, you know, wear sunscreen or whatever, but just being getting sun vitamin Mm -hmm. d and having your feet your bare feet on the ground for Mm -hmm. a little while grounding to the earth so there's a place in austin texas i have to tell you about called oh i want to hear yeah and barton springs is a natural spring they've been indigenous people have been coming to it for ten thousand years and it's just really cold water it's about 68 70 degrees year round Mm -hmm. and it's about 100 degrees right now in the summer so you go there and you've got nature it's a slope and trees and then you get in the water and the water is healing because it's bubbling up from deep in the earth and it's so cold. And then you get out and the sun dries you. And it's just I find so much nourishment from the sun, from nature, from the water. And then there's a community around it of people who love nourishing themselves through nature. And so every time I go to Barton Springs, I make a new friend or I see an old <laughs> friend. And so continue on the self-care conversations, having friends around. You know, we're social creatures and we live in a a very hyper individualistic society now, which Mm -hmm. I think is we're kind of at the peak of it because I think it's not working because we need each other and we need to be with each other. And so a lot of times we're not feeling well. We don't want to reach out to our friends and tell them we're not feeling well or put our baggage on them or we just don't want to, you know, pretend that we're okay. But taking that risk to reach out to a friend and you know, maybe it's just, hey, I just want to have a fun time and not talk about things. Or, right. hey, do you have a little time to hear me out because I'm feeling a lot of struggle? Just using our community mm-hmm. to nourish ourselves is so important in my view. The connection, the connection pieces, yeah, that's really starting to come back, I think. And that was something that because of technology and changes and um, herb, I don't know what it is, but the changes in the world, we had less and less in that of that. And now I think it's coming back. And you're right. I mean, Think about like um, even like 50 years ago, you know, people sat out on their front porches and hung out and talked, you know, mm-hmm. or people people got together for like when they were going to church on Sunday. It was, you know, a, most of the day affair. They connected. They connected mm-hmm. with the community. And I think we do less and less and that's less and less of that. And it's something I'm working on myself because I find I'm in my house way too much. I work from mm-hmm. home most of the time and yeah. I... Um, and I, I don't really love go, I love, you know, living out in the country a little bit. So I find I, you know, if it weren't for things like this, some, and, and the phone, mm-hmm. I'm like, am I going to talk to anybody today? <laughs> so it is, it, yeah. I have to force myself to do that too. And remember that it's good to see people in person as well once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what else do you do? So you fill up with, you know, taking care of your, your body through good eating and, um, connections with people and being outside, what are the other things you do to fill yourself up to be able to be ready to help? 
So this is one of the biggest ones. Breathing. Oh, meditation. Eat, you said eating, that too. Yep. Yeah, meditation. Um, movement. Oh, right. So it's a big part of eating psychology too is moving your body. When we just sit at a desk for 10 hours, mm -hmm. that's not how we've been for the past 99% of human evolution, right? So right. just rituals of getting into your body and whether mm -hmm. that's stretching in your chair, you know, you can go to Dr. McCullough and look up chair stretches or you can just Google it. But there's lots of ways you can incorporate more body movement into your daily rhythm without rocking the boat. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, doing an hour of yoga. I love weightlifting because it's, it feels great to feel strong. And I know. I energy. like that too. And I love that too. Practice in a way of being really present because mm -hmm. when you lift heavy things, you have to be really aware. Right. Uh, but I love playing sports. I grew up playing soccer since I was four. Mm. And I just went to a vacation in Mexico with my dad and brother and we got to go sailing, play soccer, play tennis, play ping pong, do archery Aww. every single day. And I, I feel very grateful to have that opportunity because it makes you feel alive when you find mm. a way of movement that works for you. Because that's a big thing in eating psychology is don't, you know, just like just get into the gym and just ride it out and uh, I hate doing this, uh, but right. keep going. You know, that's kind of the, the diet standpoint of, you know, you know, just eat this amount and exercise more. And that paradigm doesn't really work for almost everybody because it's about loving your body and respecting the way your body moves. Some people like going really fast. Some people maybe like swimming instead of jogging. Mm -hmm. But for me, um, I'm a triathlete and I'm not a hardcore one who's getting, who's doing long distance. I just do sprint triathlons because my friend won some races in Austin and inspired me to work out with him. But that really fills me up because swimming is really good for my strength and my lungs and then mm -hmm. running helps me shed emotional, you know, when you sweat out those toxins, you really move emotional energy. And then mm -hmm. uh, biking is another thing. And so I love sports in general. I love playing them because also like you wrote in your, your first podcast or your podcast zero is play, you know, we're, right. we're beings like look at, look at mammals of all kinds and they're babies. They play, play is just a part of who we are. And I think a society is so serious these days. Everyone has to accomplish right. these very high goals. And all on their own and we lose touch with that hey let's just have fun so just finding a way of movement that makes you smile and laugh and you know like improv I, mm -hmm. i'm not I've done a ton of improv but when i see people do improv they're just <laughs> laughing the whole time for like hours straight so if you don't have a lot of laughter and it takes a lot of courage probably to go do an improv class right. but oh yeah but wow you know that's a good way to get laughter in your life immediately <laughs> yeah beautifully said you're obviously like really care about the planet and your health and your energy and all of those things. Is that something that you learned growing up or was that something that you really cultivated on your own once you went to college? Well, I don't think I can take all the credit because my parents really loved and supported me my whole journey and still mm -hmm. do. Um, my dad is a, a very successful person in in uh, business and in sports and he graduated at the top of his class in college and mm -hmm. was captain of three sports teams and so he set the by the bar pretty high and <laughs> I, guess. I really appreciate that but a lot of times I measure myself to some standard that I can't achieve and mm -hmm. that sucks so right. I try to try to let go of that and my mom is just a lover she just taught me the importance of being kind and having friends that you can just be with mm -hmm. and just enjoy life. And so very different in a way. My dad's kind of a doer. My mom's a beer, if mm -hmm. you will. Oh, and okay. so 
I'd like to think that I got the, the best of, of both worlds, maybe the worst of them too. But <laughs> um, so in terms of my kind of evolution of consciousness, I, I think that um, I realized that we need to do a lot of things to help the earth. And we also need to just be in a state of peace and connection. Mm -hmm. And that will help unfold our connection to take care of the earth and ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of that journey, I don't think neither either of them were particularly focused on those things about like world peace or, mm -hmm. you know, alternative energy and, and consciousness and so on. Um, but I think their loving support of me and allowing my own ev evolution and process and mm -hmm. supporting me in that way helped me to discover and blossom in those ways. So when I was in college going to the campus environmental center and um, talking about meditation, they were all kind of like, what? <laughs> but, but my dad bought my first book of a feast and wrote in there, you know, I love you and here's your journey. Oh. So, you know, I can't just say like, well, I, I did it all on my own and right. you know, help me. But, um, I've learned because I went through kind of a holier than thou phase around college. And after that, where like, I'm into spirituality and consciousness and you guys don't know what's going on. Right. And I really, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that <laughs> out loud. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I, I really regret that. And I've real, realized, you know, I'm 30. I'm still just young and I suppose, but realizing to have more compassion for my parents. And I was creating separation by thinking that I was special because mm -hmm. I was thinking about these topics and so on. And so just being grateful for what they've given me and, you know, what I really realized, and this is my thesis in my life. So this is kind of the, what I wanted to share. The essence of everything I'm talking about is we need to awaken to our deep need for human connection. Mm, and that's beautiful. So that's really why I'm in counseling. That's really thrust of my interest in connecting with people is we're all like islands, but then really, if you look below the surface, we're all connected. And mm -hmm. so it's, we have to honor our differences because I think it's cliche to just to say we're all one and not actually honor the, because there's a lot of divisions that do exist that need to be explored and they're very complex. Mm -hmm. Yet realizing that we all have a desire to connect with each other and with ourselves and with nature and making that a priority and being able to speak to that in ways that are honestly cool or comfortable or easy at times, that's the essential message that I have and want to share with you and all readers is we need to find ways to awaken to our need for human connection because we do have that need. And when we don't honor it, we get unhealthy patterns. We do angry things. We hurt ourselves and each other. And so I don't know where I'm going with that, but I've really... No, yeah, I, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. Oh, yeah, that's just to end that is to... I focus more on connecting more deeply with my parents instead of trying to enlighten them or educate them about world problems. Just being myself and loving mm -hmm. myself connecting with them, I think has shown them in a way to help to be more open to the ideas that I have and, and spot more inspired by what I'm sharing. You know, be the change you wish to see in the world is exactly. pretty cliche these days, but it's, <laughs> right. it's just so, it's so clear. We, the more we can embody that love and that compassion and everything you're saying, that wears off on the, our presence is what is felt. And Children are really intelligent. You know, we think, mm -hmm. oh, okay, well, I'm going to tell them to do this. And then over here, I'm going to do that. And they don't see it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they feel everything. And so the more you grow as a person, that is the perfect um, alchemy for them to grow. Mm -hmm. And and so it's just an, an, oh, no end to the journey, Rumi says. No end to the journey. No end never. How can the heart and love ever stop opening? Oh, I love that. 
when, when you have the courage to be vulnerable and to be yourself, even in situations where it's not ideal. And I'm a people pleaser myself and I, I can blame it on my mama, but I got to take credit <laughs> for it. Um, and, uh, it's a relief, you know, and that's one thing that I, I didn't necessarily expect that I've really come into more and more in the past few years is when you don't have an image that you're protecting and honoring, and we all do to varying degrees. So, right, right. you know, enlightenment is a constant journey, even that as well as multiple right. layers, but is it's a relief. You don't have to be somebody to someone and then you're like, well, I'm this to this person and this to that person. You're running around trying to be that perfect image to all these different people. You can just relax. <laughs> and that's the opposite of stress is relaxing into your being. And just whenever you have the courage to express your voice and, all of a sudden, when you do that, it's not so bad, and you did it, you have the courage to do it again, and then yeah. that relief continues to blossom into this more serene, content state of mind that is, you know, the enlightened mind or whatever. So I just wanted to make a note of just the, the celebration of that, like, oh, it's scary to be myself or to be authentic or vulnerable, and, and it is, but the other side of that is, in my view, it was relief. Because we don't have to be anything. We can just be ourselves. And really, I mean, being that I'm so glad that you clarified that because really being ourselves and and choosing to like, and and again, you're right. It takes, it's not like you go, well, yesterday I was a people pleaser and pretending (laughs) all these things. And today I'm just going to be myself all the time and every moment. It's not that, um, you know, quick and abrupt. But it's, it's a muscle that you build, and sometimes you build it in one area. Like maybe I'm going to like really express myself more authentically in my, in my work, or maybe it's going to be in my spiritual beliefs, or maybe it's going to be in um, my, fan, you know, in my, my most closest relationship or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sort of a like put your toe in the water and start practicing that and build that muscle, and you keep building it and building it and building it. But along the way, what happens is that – you know, like there's so much energy that goes into the pretending, you know, and people have yeah. this fear that people won't love them as much or the same yeah. if they're if they really reveal who they are beneath the surface. And in my experience, and maybe you can speak to this, the love I get in return is tenfold or more. Mm. Exactly. It's, it's so much. It's it's a richer, deeper, trusted love and connection that I didn't even know existed before because I was so good at um, trying to make everybody think I was awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like I, pre- pretending, you know? I was the same game, so I totally get it. And yeah. I want to share something vulnerable myself is that um, I have an eight-year-old daughter named Valentina. Oh, and beautiful. And she's really beautiful and, and wonderful. And her mom and I initially um, did, did not get along and we, we hadn't been together for a long period of time. And when we got pregnant and I was really not very supportive for several years and um, only in past recent times have we really healed a lot of our relationship mm-hmm. and become friends again and gotten to spend more time with Valentina. And so I had a, I had a lot of shame and anger and guilt mm-hmm. in the early days when I didn't want to be a part of their lives. And um, I thought that if I shared my, my story and my experience with, with them that um, people would outcast me or mm-hmm. judge me or not want to be my friend. And what I found was as I shared and had the courage to, to share my own pain and my own cowardice, even, um, people loved me for that because right. they, they had the opportunity to then be more real with me. 
And so, you know, for anyone listening to this call thinking that I'm just like Mr. You know, oh, he's doing this and this and this and I whatever. I, I definitely have my own struggles and, and have um, made a lot of mistakes in the past, too. And I want to honor them because you can't really be present if you're hiding the past. And so um, it's been really beautiful. Actually, very recently, they just visited Austin and I got to spend time with my daughter and her mom because she remarried and she has he um, her husband adopted my daughter several mm. years ago. And so she has a beautiful family and I just get to be an addition to that. But um, there's a lot of emotions and, you know, a lot of negative ones and positive ones. And mm-hmm. um, just being able to speak to that, you know, I even had some a little bit of fear on, on this call to, you know, is that something I should share or not share? And I said, well, I'm just going to talk and if it comes out, then, you know, let it be. And so um, I just want to share that I've experienced so much the love that exists when you do share your your darkest or your most challenging situations instead of the opposite thing that you think might happen. So, well, um, thank you. Like deep thanks for sharing that because I think it just made everything that you've said on the call, like a thousand times more impressive, like, um, uh, real, you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I think it just, I mean, not everything you've said is real. I don't mean to say that, but like people, like I always thought I was the only one that made mistakes or had thoughts that were not right or did something that was, you know, probably not a great choice. Like I thought mm-hmm. everyone around me was always everything perfect. You know what I mean? Not, that, I mean, not yeah. that you like, like that everything was just this simple, happy road. Everything went easy and they never had a, they never, you know, had a dip or a fall and, or a struggle. And, mm-hmm. and at the more that like, exactly like you said, the more that I've opened up, and been real with people, the more they reveal to me. And how how beautiful is that? Because our deeper connections, because it's exactly what you said, we all crave and need human connections. But when our human connections are at like this, this highest, you know, basic level, you know what I mean? Like the more superficial or the, you know, the front level. And when we dig deeper into those, it's such a whole different connection. It's so different. Yeah. I hope you realize how much I value. I hope you realize how much I value that you shared, you know, something really oh, personal. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because the Facebook effect, you know, it's right. like, oh, well, I just see a bunch of pictures of you smiling on right. the beach. Like, right. What do you mean you have problems? <laughs> it's like we really it, it's so important that we have a more a more inclusive narrative. I call it full spectrum living where right. everything can be included. And some of the stuff is more challenging conversations or difficult to talk about, but right. you need to be able to include our whole being because this whole sectioning off and hiding away is what's preventing us on a global scale from moving forward as a human race. You know, right. we're still at war. We're still, you know, there's a poverty of consciousness that comes from poverty, from poverty itself, but also from, uh, you know, us versus them mentality that is very ingrained to mm-hmm. the, the world system. And we are fortunate to be on, on the winning team kind of, you know, USA in some ways, but right. for everybody else out there in the whole world, you know, we're all one race and we, the more we can acknowledge that and acknowledge all the pain and the suffering and the real bad things that are happening and give space for them, mm-hmm. that can kind of um, air out and provide the space to actually have transformation and actually have a global village and actually create systems of overcoming poverty and educating people to overcome our poverty of consciousness, as Amma says, who is a, a the hugging saint, a dear mm. mentor of mine. <laughs> so a quick poem to end. Oh, yes, that would be perfect. <laughs> perfect. Okay. 
Um, I, I've recited this in a few public forums, and this is one of the first poems in my book, Why We Keep Breathing. You can get it on Amazon, and here we go. So it's called, I Am an Invitation. Okay. I am an invitation. Now each time I part my lips or move through space, I invite the world into me as I invite the world to receive me. I am an invitation to love and open up like flowers, like wine, like good times. I keep opening. We keep opening. I keep breathing, saying, come, come to this new world we are loving into. Let us watch how all the whispering, all the hungry eyes, all the passion of the world squeezed into one breath. Come, come to me, come to your longing. Let us treat our longing by loving so that your longing becomes only the pain of too much joy. Like birth, like the freedom of forgiveness, like letting go of every single barrier from you blowing wide open the doors of the world that before hid all the love in the universe. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful. Mm. That was beautiful. I think that I want to end every show like that. One of the interesting stories behind this conversation is that I recorded that with Peter literally months ago. And I had this sort of backlog of shows I kept trying to get to and get to and get to. And we touched base a couple times and didn't get to it. And then I noticed when I finally did, and I was listening back to prepare it for putting it up, it was exactly the words that I needed to hear. In fact, it was really weird. It was like some of the things I was saying I was teaching myself, and then hearing his words again were teaching me what I needed to know now. That's the thing that happens when people really open up and share their lives in super authentic ways. Thank you for listening. So, are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining.